We're just flying by the seat of our pants. Yes, we are. All right. My name is Aaron. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gone with the Bushes. My name is Liz. I am the matriarch of the bushes. She's the queen bee of the bushes. And this is Gone with the Bushes, the podcast where we discuss old movies that maybe you saw a long time ago, or maybe you never saw them, and you've just heard tons of things about them. Um, so in this podcast, we're gonna, each week we're going to go through a movie, and we're going to tell you what happened. There will be spoilers, but usually we're going to go, hopefully, chronological order, telling you what happened, give you some background on it, just discuss. Um, there may be some foul language. There may be some off-color things. This isn't necessarily a safe spot, although it can be. You just need to have a good sense of humor. Um, so, yeah. All right, Liz, or should I say Let's Ma? Go. You can call me whatever you like. I'm just, I'm probably, it'll just depend on how our relationship is going. Okay, that <laughs> should be interesting. So, are, is, this, is this considered the penultimate? This is number one? This is number one. So very, this is the, the first Gone with the Bushes. The first Gone with the Bushes, and so the first movie... In Gone with the Bushes is Gone with the Wind. Gone was, with the Wind was always my favorite movie when I was um, a young a- adult growing up. Wow, <laughs> I didn't know that. This I saw Gone with the Wind for the first time last week. Well, the first time in its in its entirety, I believe. It is a commitment to watch. It is four hours long. I, when I first saw it, I went to, it was like an old-fashioned theater in Cincinnati that still had all the gold gilding and the velvet seats. And it was, uh, it had a full intermission. It had two hours, then there was intermission. You got up, you went to the lobby and got um, like drinks and not alcohol but not like it is today there was um you know the person with the the uniform behind the candy counter and it was anyway and then you came back to your seat for the last two hours were you wearing a gown uh no 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 (laughs) no but um you did dress nicely (laughs) no pants (laughs) just a, a dress I might have had a dress on, which just doesn't happen anymore. But So how old do you think you were? I was probably, um, knowing my upbringing, to have gone to see Gone with the Wind, I believe I was probably over 13 because it had some dicey stuff in the, in the plot. Huh. I wonder what is considered dicey. <laughs> Because I don't think it's the diciness that I'm thinking. <laughs> it wasn't, no. The diciness, well, we'll get to that in chronological order, but when Rhett pretty much um, maritally raped Scarlet. Oh, we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah, okay. We'll, okay, get, to, we'll so- get to that. <laughs> All right, so Gone with the Wind, 1939. Correct. The novel was written in 1936. Whoa. By Margaret Mitchell. Wait, wait, wait. I knew this was based on the Margaret Mitchell book. Mm-hmm. The Margaret Mitchell book 
was written in 1939. This was not a, a an Uncle Tom's Cabin type thing where it was written. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was written in 1936. It was not written at the time of the Civil War. No, it was a look back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's 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 so topical. <laughs> it is so topical right now. It is right so now. topical. It was, it was actually there was a something about it in the Washington Post yesterday by Ann Hornaday. Oh, it's not like uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have done my research, my little girl. Okay, so the plot, as as uh, I found out, is is stated as about a manipulative woman and a roguish man conduct a turbulent romance during the American Civil War and Reconstruction. Okay. So that's the, what, the gist did, of the plot. Okay, how did they describe... So Scarlett O'Hara is... What did they describe her in the plot? Manipulative, manipulative. woman. So... Yes, but first of all, okay, very, very first thing in the movie, did, do you remember when you were 13 years old and you were sitting there that the beginning of the movie, like, it just played the, the overture for, like, 15 minutes? Um, yes, and then as they started showing it on TV, they cut that down, and they also cut the intermission overture down. Oh, okay. But, but then they have started to uh, re reuse the whole thing uh, okay and then the the titles the gone with the wind it scrolled across the screen because i watched it on amazon and you know how it it scrolled across the screen that that did not look 1939 well i gotta tell you that was probably <laughs> 52 years ago a few things have happened since so i don't remember if the title scrolled or not. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a, that's a bit into the weeds. I apologize. That was a bit of the nitty gritty. So yeah. it starts with this intermission. It's a long slog, people. This is a four-hour film. It doesn't start with an intermission. It starts with the overture. Go ahead. Oh, my bad. Thanks, Ma. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to keep you on track, as you will me. Oh, yeah, because I'm going to get sidetracked. So Scarlett O'Hara is, is she the oldest daughter? She is the oldest daughter. She's of an Irish immigrant. Her father won Tara, Tara the Plantation, in a poker game. He is an Irish, he's an Irishman. Okay, I missed that he won it. So he values land above all, funny how he values land above all else, and he won (laughs) this, he won this land in a poker game. But he never bet Tara in a poker game. Well, isn't he a saint? Isn't he? He came from Ireland. And I always felt like, um, did you feel like he was a drinker? (laughs) Because he was Irish, Ma? No, I'm not going going on the racist thing right now. But um, I kind of am because I always felt like he was a drink. Maybe it's because in the novel he was a drinker. Mm. And I felt like that was a bit of a um, racist slant to put on him. But it, it makes sense as the movie goes on. Uh, his character is rather... Um, um, word retrieval is an issue for me. He's a bit of a, a drunkard. 
he although they never although in the movie they he never has a drink in his hand he never right. like really appears to be drunk i thought he was just a uh doofus he rather doofus than and uh um holly go lightly understand what that holly means? go like holly go lightly like like, like, the loafers? like, like he, uh, um oh i can't think of the word but he doesn't he doesn't take things real seriously except the land he's oh, yeah. not very uh um dependable let's he, go with dependable yeah he's uh he's very fun loving um not not book smart not a not a great businessman correct Perfect. I, I never got mm-hmm. any of that but he insists that his do- daughter marry a southerner oh well yeah yeah uh yeah that that was the South that, uh, still. <laughs> still, still, still. Okay. I, I just thought it was interesting. Like no northern banker, a northern banker comes into town, and this Irish fella is like, no. Exactly. Yuppie marrying a southerner. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what because accent that is. He, he's from Southern Ireland. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. So okay, whatever. <laughs> but so that's fine by Scarlet because. Um, she she's cool with it. She Scarlett O'Hara reminds me of Cher, the character of Cher in Clueless. Remember Alicia Silverstone? Oh, yeah. She's very much like very spoiled, very yes. got, always got her own way. Yes. And I really like she, to me she wasn't very rootable for, like I didn't really root for her. Correct. But the thing that did get me kind of I did warm up to her was that Vivian Lee, who plays Scarlett O'Hara, delivers world-class side-eye. She de- And did you notice the eyebrow, the one eyebrow that goes up? Yeah. She was very good with the, to do that. She was very good with, with the facial expressions and oh, the throwing yeah. shade with merely the eyes and the eyebrow. Yeah. I was like, game recognizes game, Scarlett. All right. <laughs> True that. <laughs> so, so Scarlett is, she's beautiful and every guy, which by the way, Ma, so all of the guys around in the plantations around Tara, they all want a piece of Scarlett. But these did guys. Did you see the other women? I mean, did you see the other women? <laughs> I think they purposely made sure all the other women were um, uh, a plain to um, ugly <laughs> they, they did. The casting call was really good for plain to ugly. But yeah. wait, wait. Not just the other women, the men. The Southern gentlemen were all have, very dandy. Now, I have an interesting um, thing to add to that because I always felt like Ashley was really effeminate. I thought Ashley was 50 years old and he struck me as. This man, he he should be on Broadway. He's a song and dance man. Well, Leslie Howard, who played him, did not want to be in the film and did not want to be Ashley. He felt like he was too old for the part. So they they gave him extra hair pieces and they put (laughs) extra makeup on him in the beginning. Um, None of the men wanted to be in it. Clark Gable didn't want to be in it either because they felt like it was a woman's picture. So, but what I learned in my research was Margaret Mitchell was engaged to a very effeminate man. Mm. 
So um, all of the men in it did seem to be pretty effeminate, especially those twins at the beginning. That's exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I, I'm, I, I think one of them is still alive, and I'm sorry if, if he is offended, but yeah. There's and nothing the, wrong with it. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And he could be an effeminate heterosexual as well. Right. But, but yeah, they were dandy is a good word I, for it. I just straight up was like, those two, those are some dandy mugs right there. Exactly. Okay. So, and I, that, that's funny. My notes, it says, Scarlett is in love with Ashley. He looks like he's 50. So, <laughs> Ashley, turns out, the rumor mill has it. That Ashley is engaged to another woman, Melanie, and this crushes Scarlet. Not just another woman, his cousin. I missed that went right over my head. Are you kidding me? No, and and um, that was that was um, alluded to in the book as well. That 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 interbreeding happened um, frequently in the South at that time, because again, you couldn't marry out of your race. You couldn't marry out of your, um, status, social status. So yeah, she was his cousin, which is one reason why they felt like Melanie was so, um, sickly. Cause she, ah, been, cause she is sickly. That is one sickly woman. Yeah. She's very sick. She was, she remember, remember when we were going to get the dog, we were, we were going to get a dog cause we okay. were promised a dog <laughs> and we were going to get a dog. And so we went out when I was a little, this was when I was a little kid and we went out to, to finally find this, this dog. So they, it was a breeder and they have all these dogs running around and there's this one dog that's curled up next to the fence and flies are swarming around there it. There were not flies around it. Your father said there were, but there were not. Flies were around this dog and my mom's like, that's it. That's the dog for the family. And we were like, no, that dog's, the dog's dead. Remember your mother had, an, had a special place in her heart for special children. And I guess I was kind of. You know, you had a special place in your heart for a temporary commitment. (laughs) All right. So So flies were circling Melanie. Basically. (laughs) And okay, Melanie is played by Olivia de Havilland, who was most recently, um, for those in the know, uh, modern times, uh, she was portrayed by Catherine Zeta-Jones in Betty vs. Joan. That was yes. on FX. And I have to say, Catherine Zeta-Jones did a number on me. Because when I saw a li- real Olivia de Havilland, who's still alive, as of taping this podcast, because she's like 100 years old. But I was like, I was kind of like a little, what's the right word? I don't want to be mean. But I was under-impressed. With with Olivia de Havilland and Gone with the Wind, yeah, I thought she <gasps> I thought she was like not that great looking. Oh no, she wasn't supposed to be great looking. Oh, so they like they like oh, yeah. made her. They down. played her down big. In oh the movie. my god! Yeah, because remember, Scarlett had to be so much more beautiful than anybody else. Man, so did was Olivia de Havilland all in on this part? Yes, yeah, she was. Okay, yeah, she was. So who? Uh, they did not do her any favors. Because it's sort of the good versus evil. Oh, it's not just good. I mean, Olivia, the, Melanie's character is a saint. 
saintly is exactly the word I thought. I mean, this woman can do no wrong. I didn't realize that she was your boy's cousin. Yeah. But, and and actually at this party, there's a, a whole party that is at the, oh, I forgot what the name of the plantation is. Twelve Oaks. But who's Twelve Oaks owned by? It's owned by Ashley's family. Yeah, and what's Homeboy's name? Of all the names that you could pick for a Southern Plantation owner and his family, Ashley's father's name is John Wilkes? Yes. Okay. Aaron, this... (laughs) (laughs) Margaret Mitchell grew up in the South... The South, in 1939, nor in 2017, has gotten over the loss of the Civil War. I know. There's so much of this movie where I'm yes. just like, oh, okay, you named this dude after a, a, the guy who oh, killed yeah. Lincoln? Yeah. In my head, I had a running tally <laughs> of... Because I, I, I separated it because I knew I wasn't going to get a, be able to watch the movie, so I just I just separated it. And was like, okay, but I kept a I kept a running tally sheet. John Wilkes, I was like, all right, I see what you're trying to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. 12, 12 Oaks or whatever is owned by John Wilkes. They go there. This this thing, this soiree, they make a whole big to do out of barbecue. I'm down for that. That I sounded know, so delicious. So visually pleasing. That was eye candy, wasn't it, it? Oh, man. And then after they have the barbecue, what do the women go and do, Ma? <laughs> they take off their corsets <laughs> and go to sleep while the, while the sweet and happy little black children fan them and keep the, keep the flies off of them. That's funny because I didn't think they looked too happy. Which was hard to keep the flies off of Melanie because she had so many circles. <laughs> the flies were already circling her. But I just couldn't <laughs> believe it. I w- at this point in the movie, I was like, I get it. I get it, South. This. I get the life. I get, I get why you're mad. But this, this is nice the life. air conditioning. Can you imagine how hot all that was? They had to have been sweating buckets. They had to be you? Sweating. You? Can you imagine Patrick Ewing there? My, Your dress would have been, no. it would have fallen straight down. My, I don't know who you think you your daughter is. I would not have been in that dress. I'm that's the poor right. little girl that's fanning these bitches. That's right. I'm sorry, I digress. <laughs> who, who do you think you had children with? You know, I think maybe this would be a good time to do a disclaimer on the um, on our family, if people are listening and they don't know. Oh, okay. I guess we're mother and daughter. Um, I am um, a German-American, and I married your father, who is African-American. So you are, you would be fanning, you would be fanning the white ladies. Yeah. Yes. I know. I know where my place is. Actually, I wouldn't have been fanning the white ladies, because I sweat so much. My sweat would have dripped on the white ladies. I would have been beat. I'm out in the fields. You'd be in the field. Despite True. this light complexion. Yeah, I sweat too much to be yeah. of any use in the house. That's true. You'd be you'd be a pain because you'd be sunburned from being in the field, <laughs> but you couldn't be in the house. There, if they if they made it, it's like what what do we do with a problem like Aaron? <laughs> oh, you have to let me know when that's coming. I shouldn't be taking a drink <laughs> when you throw one of those out. All right. Uh, 
Okay. So so at this at this point, okay, they're having a nap and the men are talking. They're downstairs. The men, right. Right. The men are talking war. They're war t- is coming. The South is gonna be in great shape. Oh, they're, they're so excited. Win. They're so excited. Except there's this there's this guy, tall, good looking man in his suit. Nice mustache. Looks a little old. He's from Charleston. And they ask him, Charles, the stranger from Charleston, my friend, what do you think? Because these guys, these guys are hyped and they're about to go up to the north and they want to whoop some ass. And the guy from Charleston, one Rhett Butler, he says, whoa, what does the South have? Y'all got slaves? Well, he's Southern. So he's like, we got slaves. We got cotton. And we got arrogance. And the North, by the way, has everything else. So this makes Ashley's younger brother, Charles, he gets too pissed off. He's super angry and he wants to fight. He wants to have a duel. He wants to get out his gloves and slap Rhett across the face. And Ashley's like, hold on. We're Southern gentlemen and this is a guest. And Rhett Butler takes the temperature of the room. And he just says, all right, I'm going to go walk around your property. And Charles. Now, before we do that, on a filmmaking slant. All right. When Rhett Butler is introduced to the audience, even in 1960, whatever it was, probably 65, 66, as the camera swept down the staircase, and you see the back of his head, and he turns around and smiles. Every woman in the theater was like, oh, that was filmmaking genius. Even I swooned a little. I know. I was like, And he Damn. had false teeth and bad breath, and so it wasn't all that great, but visually, yeah, he came across pretty good. He's good-looking, good-looking man. Good-looking man. So, Scarlett being you know just you can't tell her nothing she sneaks down which they imply is only what whores do during the nap because she needs she needs to tell ashley that she loves him so at least she put her dress back on she did she put her dress back on she confesses to ashley that she loves him ashley says i i know and i love you too but melanie's a saint and Mm -hmm. you're kind of high maintenance (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to go with Melanie. She's like, that's wifey material right there. Yeah. Yeah. So he leaves and Scarlett's all sad and angry. And she does what any spoiled brat does. She picks up something that doesn't belong to her and she throws it, which is a vase. And she throws it across the room. And lo and behold, Rhett Butler pops up and is like, what the hell? I'm trying to take a nap, which I thought was real weird, Ma, because he just said that he was going out on a walk. And he really just like, did he go out of the door? Did he just do a a loop-de-loop and was like, on second thought, I'm going to take a nap. It was hot, remember? He didn't have a little uh, beautiful little black girl in him. He he did not. So this is the first scene with Rhett and Scarlett. And yes. there's fireworks because Rhett, because Scarlett's in love with Ashley and, and Rhett, Rhett has a type. He likes complicated women. Yes, he does, as is, as is well known in, as the movie progresses. Yes. 
All right. So, where, where what part does that? Well, just that that whole that whole barbecue at the Twelve Oaks that was just so visually pleasing with the Technicolor and everything. Um, well, so then he she's embarrassed because she declared her love for this guy who pretty much said, yeah, I love you too, but uh, yeah, we're not touching lips. Uh, that's not happening. And so she's embarrassed in front of a man, which never happens because every man kowtows to her. Kowtow? Is that kowtow? It works. I know what you're saying. Anyway. Um, and so that, that just uh, cements their turbulent relationship for the rest of the movie. Yes. So, so she um, tells Charles Hamilton that, yeah, that she'll marry him. She'll right marry him there. before he goes to war because oh. she wants to make Ashley jealous. Yes. And right then at the end of this whole soiree, people come hooping and hollering and all happy because Lincoln has basically called in the troops. Yes. So the everybody's leaving Twelve Oaks because they're running off to enlist in the Confederacy, the Confederate Army. And before Charles goes off, Scarlett's like, uh, I will marry you. Yes. And we don't see them get married, <laughs> but they get married. And they get married the day after Ashley and Melanie get married. Right. And then the very next scene, which isn't even really a scene. Um, it's a letter and Charles is dead. And in the book, she has a baby. What? Yeah, she has Charles's son. Well, in the movie, she has no baby. They weren't married no. long enough for her to have a baby. Right. He just, he, he went out. And he didn't die on the battlefield. I know. He died of pneumonia. I know. Just taken out the game. I, you know, you're like, I know, I know. I, th let me just tell you something, Ma. You know that I cry at every single movie. Oh, my gosh. So you, so you were completely drenched at the end of this movie bone dry admit it admit it no not oh. not a tear <gasps> not a tear in this film not I even when you know what happened no i'm telling you everything that we're about to say bone dry in fact oh my God. there are three God. times in this film that i lol'd okay <laughs> you know one of them I do. So, okay. <laughs> I had to think of what the other one was. All right. So, Scarlett's a widow. And she, newsflash, she doesn't like being a widow. It no. sucks. She has to wear black. She's not yep. allowed to go to any parties. Not allowed to dance. Not allowed to dance. It, like, she has to wear dresses up to her neck. Yeah. It, it really is cramping her style. Mm -hmm. So she's all mopey and whining and complaining. And her mom says, well, why don't you go to Atlanta? Why don't you go to Atlanta? Because um, who's the aunt that's there? Aunt Pity Pat. Aunt Pity Pat's there and Melanie's there. Right on Peach Street in Atlanta. And so Scarlett. She goes, Melanie. 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 Because that means that when Ashley comes home, bingo, bada bing, 
And at this point, we haven't really discussed the main black character of the film. Ah. Mamie. Mammy. 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 Hattie McDaniel, right? Hattie McDaniel. She won an Oscar, right? She won an Oscar. But at the Oscar ceremony... She was not allowed to sit with the cast. Of course not, because it's like by she then it's nineteen forty. Back of the of the hall. Well, mm-hmm. she was the best thing of this movie to me. Best performance. And she ran the family. She knew exactly what Scarlet was all about. She knew everything. She was the wisest one. Knew everything. Knew knew what everyone was up to. Had the most sense of anyone there unbelievable so she know because she knows what scarlet's up to as soon as the mom said like oh go to atlanta she was like scarlet you don't go to atlanta you're just gonna be up to no good trying right. to ruin a family your home wrecker that's right so of course scarlet doesn't listen because scarlet's got to be scarlet so she goes to atlanta she's hanging out there's this con- there's this confederate what is that what was that ma some sort of ball some sort of fundraiser it was a fundraiser yeah and it was a ball of course where you know you can still wear your pretty dresses yeah you know and you dance with the men who have who aren't in conflict at the time here's a hot take maybe if you hadn't spent so much time learning to dance and putting on <laughs> balls. Just saying. Oh, so yeah. she she's there. She's working like the the some sort of concession or whatever. Some yes. guy comes around asking for jewelry to to go for the to support the Confederacy and Saint Melanie. Oh, they, they go to, first. They go to Scarlet. The guy's like, "You got any jewelry for the Confederacy?" And Scarlet goes. No, I'm in mourning. I'm not allowed to wear jewelry. Thank you very much. Which I I didn't full LOL, but I did chuckle at that. Because she's mm-hmm. such a brat. And then the guy goes to Melanie. And St. Melanie's like, I don't have anything. And then, oh, wait. And she takes off her wedding ring. And they're like, what are you doing, Melanie? That's your wedding ring. And she's like, but, but... It might help the cause. It might it might help the cause, and by and by it helping the cause, it'll, it helps my Ashley. Right. Which, by the way, Mop, there I didn't really hear that many Southern accents in this movie. Do you know Vivian Lee was British? Okay, so she's. I mean, that's a very good American accent, but mm-hmm. nothing of the sweet. Southern accent I have been so accustomed to <laughs> you know what I'm saying everybody yeah. everybody was kind of just everybody kind of seemed like they were a Yankee in southern clothing wow I didn't even notice I did I, but then it made me wonder I was like is <laughs> is is what I'm accustomed to like the cartoon overblown yeah, caricature. Caricature, and this is more in line. Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, you've been to North Carolina. I don't you've even heard remember. Them. You've, heard, you've heard some people talk. I. That's funny because I thought the farthest south I had been was Lynchburg, Virginia. Well, let's move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then, 
um, they're like, Melanie, whoa, whoa. And so she gives the ring. And so Scarlet, not to be one up, and she didn't even love Charles anyways. Yeah. She That ring comes flying off her finger and she gives it to the cause. Well, I forgot to mention that Rhett Butler has also shown up because that's what Rhett Butler does. He just yes. kind of shows up and, you know, flirts with uh, Scarlet and kind of teases her because Rhett Rhett was there so he knows that she's in love with Ashley and she only married Charles to be close to Ashley yep so they they have that he like uh they leave um what happens then that's what I I don't remember checking my notes oh in my notes I have Paula Dean would have been uh in hog heaven in that barbecue Paula Deen would have been in a hog, but this is Paula Deen's the movie. The entire movie. Yeah, You're this right. Is, okay. on, this is Paula Deen's, like, this is her heaven. This is her Shangri-La. Um, so, oh, so then they have um, what they call a slave auction. They're like, well, we're about to have a, I believe they said slave auction because I perked up. And was about did they use to use the word slave auction. They did, and was about to tick another box on the just the chalkboard <laughs> was already written, and I was like, if these motherfuckers bring out some slaves, and they're seriously, and then I was like, what do you think? Like, is this the Confederacy? Like, what do you? How do you think they raised money? Oh, I was just just getting heated, and but no, it's for women. It's one of those things where the, the guys buy, you know, they, they like buy a date with a woman. Right. They buy a picnic basket that belongs to one of the women and, and all the money goes to the Confederacy. Right. So they can continue to buy slaves. I was still right. So I still wrote the, the check mark down. So. Oh, my God. But they put. So Rhett Butler buys Scarlet. And this is taboo. I mean, talk about yeah. a scandal. She's a widow. She is a widow. But I guess that everybody's fine with it. Well, there was a <gasps> gas. I mean, they, they clutched the pearls. They clutched the pearls that but they hadn't put in the cup. I even had I had clutched the pearls in my notes. <laughs> so then Rhett Butler, he keeps going to France. This is well, this is like the montage of Rhett trying to seduce Scarlet. He keeps going to France. I don't know. Why is he going to France? I'm not sure why he's going to France. He was an entrepreneur. Let's go with. Okay. So, I think he was more like black market. Rhett did what Rhett needed to do to survive. Yeah, to be and- successful. To stay. To keep himself in the lifestyle to which he had become accustomed. He, yeah, and Rep Butler liked nice things. And Rep Butler, as previously mentioned, was like, the South doesn't have a chance in hell in this war. Right. So, but he keeps, he brings back the latest fashions mm-hmm. for Scarlett O'Hare. And he's going to make her love him. That purdy hat. That was a purdy hat he brought back. Yes. A nice green hat. And she's like, oh, but Red, wherever will I wear this hat to? Actually, I sound way more Southern than she did. She was just like, Red, wherever will I no, wear this No, she had a little tinge. To? She had a tinge of an accent. A bit, a bit. But okay. this whole time, Scarlett is still in love with Ashley. Yes. And Ashley comes home 
from uh, with furlough, I guess. And Melanie makes him this beautiful jacket, befitting of the officer, which he is. And Scarlet makes him a nice little sash. A sash. A because sash. every officer, every, every, every soldier needs a sash. Every dandy needs a sash. <laughs> and so he's back. He, you know, there's still that, she still loves him. But at the end of the night, Ashley goes to the bedroom with Melanie, leaves Scarlet alone. So then Ashley goes back to the war and the war's not going well. No. Scarlet and Melanie, they're nurses. Yeah, I, I'm really surprised that Scarlet did that, but I guess she was totally shamed into it. Oh, yeah. Because she had to take her hoop skirt off to be able to walk through all those dead and dying men. And she was not good at it. Melanie was fantastic at being a nurse. Of course. Saint Melanie. And filmmaking, filmmaking side note, they're like, it's funny because the nurses part of this, they did a lot of... Uh, an interesting thing. It made it visually interesting with the the lighting, how it was casting the shadows on the background to mm-hmm. sort of very give. You could very much see the saintly, almost nun like Melanie presiding over the sick, and in the background you just see, you know, Scarlet taking up space. Right. Um. So it, it was a filmmaking. Uh, it was a great film. I think as far as filmmaking. George Cooker, if I'm mistaken. He was the first director. Because there were like five directors on this film, right? Three. There were three directors. Three directors. I was close. George Cooker was the first one who Vivian Lee really liked because he treated her with kid gloves. Well, Vivian Lee was crazy. Okay. No, I, I did my own little bit of research. <gasps> what? Yeah, she, she had bipolar disorder. So I apologize if crazy is not the correct nomenclature. Yeah, I don't think that that's really very Melanie-like. But she had, like, Vivian Vivian Lee had demons in her brain. Well, then she was perfect to play Scarlet. Yep. So um, all these people are just dying left and right. The whole, all of Atlanta, they, they keep... They keep uh, going to the square to to see the names that get, you know, posted up of the dead. Right. Everybody's just falling out. It's, I mean, it, uh, you know, human tragedy on a human level. All right. That's sad, I suppose. We're fighting for the wrong side. But, yeah. but let's move on. All right. So, but Ashley, there's still no word. So no name of Ashley. He's still alive. So they can, they can take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that Melanie is preggers. Yes. And Sherman is on his way. Which Coming is, which is, to Atlanta. Which I give it a, an upbeatness. But in the movie, it's like Sherman's the devil. So, oh, yeah, it was the South and the North the were South. coming. I was like, I perked up. Oh, Sherman's on his way. And <laughs> in the film, everyone's like, "Gonna have some action yeah, now." That that damn Sherman. So Atlanta is burning, much like Burbank today. Exactly. <laughs> um. So as because you know, Melanie is Melanie's got impeccable timing. 
Yeah, as Atlanta, like, as the, the, the embers are wafting into the air, and Scarlet's like, we gotta get up out of here. Melanie decides to go into labor. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a decision you make. <laughs> <laughs> After two weeks. Well, I mean, she'd been in bed for, like, come on. She had to. She couldn't carry that baby. Uh, she, she had no strength. Zero strength. And she couldn't push the baby out. She didn't have the strength. You know, she, flies she, circling. So the baby has to be delivered by Scarlet. And who is the... Okay, this is Prissy. Prissy. Prissy was played by Butterfly McQueen. Butterfly McQueen didn't want to play Prissy the way that the director wanted her to. Oh, I wonder why. And because um, I was talking to my good friend, Mrs. Ashton, about this, and um, she wasn't even a stereotype. You know, people will say, well, she was a stereotype. She wasn't because nobody really acted that way. She was a caricature. She was like a... And, and throughout the movie, the, the black actors were the comic relief, always the comic relief in it. Yeah. So um, she was supposed to be comic relief to that um, intense time. But um, Malcolm X went to see Gone with the Wind. And he, and he was the only black person in the theater. And he said when Butterfly McQueen came on and started her caricatureness, he wanted to crawl under the rug. It was hard. Like, it was hard to it watch. It was hard to watch. And it is definitely not aged well at all. No, because that it's not. not that is, it's no. not funny. No. And I don't even think. I have a theory. I don't even think. I think that that's what they said, but I think that it was done intentionally on purpose which all ties into the whole lost cause narrative of the lost civil war narrative. yep which i was taught as a high school student and it made every black character with the exception of i always say her name wrong i call her mamie but it's mammy, mammy. with the exception of her every slave is like a Oh, oh, like a step and fetch it kind of like caricature of that sort of comedy, but it's not even comedy. And it what it, all it does is it makes it easier for you to enjoy this movie because you don't have to think that these are real human beings that are slaves right. and that they are, are they treated. Are, these people it, are less than than white people. They are. Um, yeah, that's why we need white supremacy because they are they are not equal to a whole human being. And they look at it and they're like, "Well, she can't even take care of herself. So how can exactly. she be free?" Yeah. She So Yeah, that that character is is supposed to uh help Scarlet with the delivery and Scarlet was like, Oh, okay. Cause they go to get the doctor and the doctor's in the middle. Like Scarlet, that was like one of the, the, the great scenes of the movie though, as yeah. far as epic, epic scope wise of the narrative 
was this scene that starts small, you know, tight on Scarlett O'Hara, and she's going to the doctor, so she's going through Atlanta, and they have to go through, like, the train, I guess it's the train station, where all of the, they've evacuated all the wounded Confederate soldiers, and the, the camera pans out, and you can just see how many soldiers are wounded, and Scarlett yeah. has to find the doctor, because uh, apparently Atlanta had one doctor, and <laughs> needed to find the one doctor and and this is this is how much into to herself scarlet is is that she has to there's all of these dead people all these soldiers stepping, died stepping over people She's who have lost limbs stepping over people to get the she finds the doctor she's like you gotta come with me melanie's having a baby you gotta deliver it and the doctor's like are you kidding me <laughs> take a look around bitch look take you. a look around no, I can't. You're going to have to deal with it. So, Melanie and Prissy, was that her Prissy, name? Prissy, yeah. But the, the, she walks out of the train station, and that's when they, they do the pan from, you know, just a couple people, and they pan all the way up. He had to have a special crane made. Mm. There wasn't a crane tall enough to be able to do that shot. So that is some more cinema. The cinema mm-hmm, uh, history. Not much of this film lives up, but that shot does. That shot does. That live shot up. does live up. I, I okay. took notice of that. I was like, oh, that's not CGI. That's impressive. That yeah, must that be. That must be. And where they had all to use the dummies. Went. They didn't have enough extras um, to be able to do that many people. So, like two thirds of them were dummies. That makes sense. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's better than the paintings of all the books that were in all of the yeah. plantation seeds in the background. I'm like, that's a painting. Because those people didn't really read books. <laughs> they didn't read books. Who were they no. kidding? All right. So they uh, they have to. So they do birth the baby. They do. And then they have to, they got to get out of Dodge because Dodge is on fire. Yep. So they don't have any way to get out. The 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 their Hail Mary is they have to find where Rhett is. And somehow Rhett will get them out. Yeah, and they know where Rhett is. Rhett's <gasps> at the brothel. Rhett was at Bell's. Was but, he at Bell's? Yeah. Yeah. So House of Bell Repute. Right. So they they go there, you know. They, they actually Prissy is sent there. She's like, you need to, you need to come, and we, need, you need to help us get out. We need to get out. And he's like, I don't have a horse, I don't have a carriage, but you know, Rhett being Rhett, he finds a way. So he shows up. They get, they pack up, um, they pack up the baby. They pack up Melanie, who of course can't walk. No, she just pushed out a baby. Okay, well, that's an excuse. She she was sick. she could barely walk before, so she's in there. She got the the baby. They got Prissy. They got Rhett, and literally the street is on fire behind them. Do you know that that was actually all the back sets of the of the um of of MGM? Oh, they were burning all the back sets, and it's the very first scene that they shot. That makes and sense. there was one. There was only one take. I mean, they couldn't recreate it. So yeah, they burned all the lot, and the people in Culver City were calling the fire department, saying, 
Um, there's, you know, all of Hollywood's on fire. And they had all of the fire people from all around, as does Burbank today. <laughs> yeah. It's really odd that this. And that's when somebody brought Vivian Lee to David Oselznik and said, I have your Scarlet. Oh, wow. They Scarlet already shot. They had not yet been cast what? until that. Yep. Hollywood, these old Hollywood bigwigs had some balls on them. Yeah, they did. Big brass ones. Brass, just banging around. So, oh, they're they're going. They're leaving with the slave girl. They get the horse. They come to a fork in the road. Like they, they I mean, it, it was a close call. There were embers. Like everything was. There was a, a very tense, like quote action scene for 1939 because mm-hmm. the munitions area was that was engulfed in flames, and Rhett was like, "That gets hot. Everything's gonna blow up." So it was. It, he had to get off the horse and like, because dr- the horse wouldn't go. Because the horse was like, "That's heat. I ain't going." And so he had to lead the horse. They had the carriage through the fire, and they're making their way back to Terra, and they get to a fork in the road, and Rhett stops, and he gets off, and he leaves them. He says, "Go, you go, keep going to Terra. I have to leave." And Scarlet's like, "Why do you have to leave, Rhett?" And Rhett, who has had such common sense and has always been all about him. All always like you know, very much almost like the mirror image of Scarlet in a way. Yeah. Of, of his selfishness yes. and his self self preser what is that word? Preservation. Yes. Pres- Preservation. <laughs> Speaking English with the bushes. His <laughs> <laughs> preservation. He gets off and he's like, Scarlet, I gotta go enlist. And Scarlet's like, What are you talking about? Yeah, really. No. We just got our asses kicked. And now you're going to go start the war? And this is interesting, Ma, because I do believe that this is one of the prime examples and probably along up there with the, the putting up of the statues and whatnot, this is... He basically, it almost appears as if Rhett Butler single-handedly comes up with the concept of the lost cause narrative. Because as he explains to Scarlet why he has to leave and go fight and go enlist, he's basically saying, I have to go fight because I know it's a lost cause. But sometimes there are just these things that are just worth fighting for and... You just have to fight for them, which in my tab sheet, I marked down two tabs, maybe yeah. even three, because that is some bullshit, Rep Butler. You yeah. sat up there at the beginning of the film and you you said you were like the South has cotton slaves and arrogance. There's nothing that you guys are idiots for fighting in this war. They you were around in France. You weren't doing jack shit. Atlanta burns. He's like, they're going to, but if I know the South, they're going to mount one last, one last strong hurrah and I got to be there. And I know that that was a scene that for a lot of people watching it were like, yeah, Rhett. And that made them like endearing. But I was like, sorry, go fuck yourself, Rhett. Because yeah, I was rooting for you. To, to, 
to make sure that people are enslaved for the rest of time. You, and I was just like, you're going off, but it's like, it, it was basically Rhett coming out and telling people, I know we lost the war, but at least we can control the narrative. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what they did. This problematic narrative. This view of the world, or this view that the war was about states' rights. And that it wasn't really about slavery. And it's continued but, to haunt this country. And it probably true. will for an eternity. Yeah. And, and this was the first time in the film where I was with Scarlet because Scarlet was like, fuck you, Rhett. And I was like, yeah. Scarlet's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, take that, Rhett. I, I was just like, wow. This is where... This, this is like... This is where some nefarious shit starts happening. Yeah, it is. Damn. And so then, I was like, by, at this time, I was sitting on the couch, arms folded. Like, oh, and I know what look was on your oh, face. Oh, yeah. Like, ain't this a bullshit? So, they're almost <laughs> to Terra, Ma. You want to take it? They're almost to Terra. They've made it through. It is now dusk. And they have the wagon, they have the horse, Red has left. All she has to do is make it to Tara. Just make it to Tara. Here's this horse. It's gotten them through the burning of Atlanta. Gotten them all the way across the territory. And she takes the whip to the horse one last time. (laughs) And the horse goes... And falls down dead. (laughs) Now, I didn't know anything about God with the wind. The one thing I knew about God with the wind was that my mother took my father to see God with the wind. And at this scene, my dad busts out laughing. I had never seen it. So, but I always knew that he laughed when the horse died. And when I saw the horse die, I busted out laughing because it's funny. The way that horse goes down is hilarious. It just collapses. And I lost it myself. I was like, no, no, dad, that's funny. I took took your father to see it in Texas in, say, 1976. You can never say my father does not love you. And, you know... I am embarrassed to say this, but even in 1976, when I went to see it with my black husband, I did not see how horrible, <laughs> how horribly racist it was. I, and when he burst out laughing, I was appalled. Again, I'm sure he was the only black person in the theater. And I just couldn't believe that. He, he he never makes a spectacle of himself, but he burst out laughing. <laughs> it's funny. And then intermission comes. Intermission. So. <laughs> well, I mean, right before intermission. No, but, but Ma, you can't really go to, straight up to intermission because she gets to Tara. Her mom's died. Her dad's oh, crazy. Yeah. She's only got three slaves left. What's she going to do? How does a person live? And so she goes to that tree and she says, 
as God is my witness, I'm going to do whatever it takes, but I'm never going to be hungry again. I will never be hungry again. And then we go to intermission. Then we hear the, the overture strike up again, and you go and get your soda and your, and your M&Ms. Right. All right. So then we get to, to part two. Oh, isn't that exhausting? That could be a movie right there. I know. Which, okay, now that we're in part two, I think we can, like, part two can kind of, it's going to be faster because part one is definitely the best part of this film. And that's the part that, that Kukor, um directed, ah. if I'm not mistaken. And, then, and many of the critics said the first part of the film was cinematic genius, and after that it went to shit. It, it really did. And David O. Selznick um, was calling for rewrites constantly, and he would rewrite the rewrites. Mm. So the actors didn't even know what was coming at them. All right, so part two comes in, and Atlanta has been burned by, and I quote, the great invaders. Yes. Um, so Scarlett and her two sisters are picking cotton on Tara, which I was giddy over. <laughs> they're right, giddy. They, they, they were like, oh, their hands... Their hands were so sore. I was like, pick that cotton, bitch. Um, Melanie wants to help with the cotton. Mm-hmm. But she can't because she's got, she's so sick. She's just, she's got the she's flies. She's in her bed clothes again. Yeah, she's just stuck in her bed clothes. And Scarlet is just like, yeah, you know what? Just stay in bed. I, I can't have be worrying about you. I got cotton to pick. And... So Melanie is completely worthless and a rogue yeah. Yankee soldier. Oh, and was he ugly or what? Oh, I mean, they couldn't have had an uglier Yankee. Just I, he, probably from West Virginia, if we're being yeah. honest. He smelled bad, too. Seemed the West Virginia sort. So he makes his way on to Tara and he comes in because, you know, the great invaders have been looting their way through the South. That's right. And he looting and a raping, and he sees the mother's um, jewelry box, and he's help, helping himself. And then he sees Scarlett O'Hare, and he's like, "Hey, pretty young Ooh, thing!" Alrighty. And he starts walking up to her, and I mean, at the end of the intermission, it basically ended with Scarlett O'Hare pretty much dropping her mixtape. She's become <laughs> a like a bona fide rap artist. Like she's like, I ain't gonna be hungry. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be selling them keys. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm not gonna be hungry again. So help That's me right. God. So That's this Yankee right. comes up to her, and start. You know, is like gonna grab her. Scarlet pulls out her pistol and shoots him in the face. Like, like in, in the, the face, face, people. Not in the heart. No. Not in, in the genitals. In the face. In the. Face. She shoots you know how him. much blood there is. That's a lot of it's blood. It's a head wound. There's a lot of blood. And Melanie gets out and was like, "So what happened?" And then she sees it. She's like, "Oh my God, Scarlet!" And then Melanie has like mad respect all of a sudden for Scarlet because she's like, "Damn, that took balls. You you shot him in the face." And then all the all the the family who's out there picking cotton, they were like, "Who was that shot?" And Melanie. Being her her number two, goes out and says, 
it was nothing. Scarlet just accidentally was cleaning the gun and it accidentally went off. And then the father, who's crazy ass father, is all like, tell her to be careful. What the hell? And then Melanie's like, we got to hide the body. Because if more Yankees come and they see that I shot this motherfucker in the face. That's right. We are in deep trouble. That's right. So Melanie, and this is, it's just... This wasn't one of the three LOLs because we have two LOLs left. So this wasn't one oh, of them, God, but I, I did wait. chuckle because they have they, Scarlet starts sliding the body, and of course it's a head wound, so there's a lot of blood. And so she's like, "Damn!" She tells Melanie, "Like, take off your gown, take off your gown, so I can put it under his head wound, so I can slide him out to the back, and we can bury him." And then Melanie gets all like, "Oh, like all sheepish and stuff," and Scarlet's like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Like, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's it's not the southern way to I, take off my nightshirt. Scarlet's like, I delivered your child. I've seen it all. <laughs> so, so Melanie goes around the corner, takes off her night robe, and I, I guess we get to see the Haviland leg, which must have been scandalous. I'm sure it was at the time. And Scarlet <laughs> basically gets rid of a body. So yeah. you're like, wow, Scarlet was serious about never starving again. So you're not you're not implying that she ate that body. <laughs> you know they could have had some they good ribs though. That's what they should have done. I never thought of that before. Th- th- fried green tomatoes. Uh, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, because then the the uh, everybody is like falling back from Atlanta, so a bunch of the Confederate folks they end up at Tara, and she's got to feed them. Huh? I did wonder where they were getting all this food from. Maybe, mm. maybe. Oh wow, a whole new element. I mean, you know, if they started the Lost Cause narrative, why can't we start the cannibalism narrative? There you go. I think that's exactly what happens. So, so they ate, they, ate, horse? they ate the horse and they ate the Yankee. <laughs> and they said, this meat ain't tough at all. Yeah. <laughs> so then the title card comes on and it says that worse than the Yankees, the carpet baggers arrive. The carpet baggers. Now, do you remember the the scene right after that, which depicts the carpet baggers? Yes, I do. Because there's a there's a very well dressed black man next to a white gentleman with this carpet bag, riding through the the burned South. It's like, get out of my way, and, and he has a very funny line to me. Which they basically, you know, all the South is like throwing shade at the carpet baggers because they're like, we're here to make some money. And the black guy is like, get out of my way. Y'all act like you won the war. And I was like, it's funny, but it's also very true. <laughs> you have to have been in Germany with your brother, too. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> that's, a, that's another that's another episode. So the carpetbaggers, they're, they're the people from the north that came to make money during the Reconstruction, right after the Civil War. Basically, Correct. according to this movie, and probably according to the South, uh, they jacked up. So um, in the movie, they jack up the taxes on Tara. 
they keep the prices and and everything keeps getting the taxes keep going up and up and up and scarlet yep. decides to see ashley for some help because if she can't pay the taxes she's gonna lose tara and tara's like like tara's her blood gotta keep gotta hold on to land she gotta hold on to that it. land so she goes to see ashley for help and yeah ashley is returned he didn't die in the war he has all his limbs um and ashley is trying to split logs and he's horrible at <laughs> which it. is hard to do when you're extremely effeminate yeah and man i mean but come on lincoln split logs he looks like he did too <laughs> So Scarlett's asking Ashley for some help and Ashley's like, I don't have anything to give you. And he feels bad because he knows all that, that she did during the war right. to help the family. But he's like, I don't have anything and I'm, I'm pretty much useless. And it pains me. And he basically gives like a whole, I don't even, I don't know if it's here or then the next scene that he has where he's all crying about the loss of the Southern way of life. Boohoo. Another tally on my board. So Ashley says the only people that have money now are Yankees and Scalawags. Which Scalawags yeah. is one of my favorite words that I've learned <laughs> lately. Because it's it's just it's uh it's a person who in the eyes of the Southern are uh considered to be less than favorable. Uncouth. Very well put. So when she says when he says scalawags, who does Scarlet think of right off the jump? Rhett. Rhett. She thinks of Rhett. He's a scalawag. Right. She does. But hold on, because at some point the old overseer of Tara returns and he says that he's yeah. gonna buy it from Tara, and Scarlet says, "You better go. You better get off off my land. You ain't gonna buy this." And. The guy was like, oh, come on. Wait, yeah. I'm going to buy it. And then the, the father, who is crazy, and it does make sense that you said that he was an alcoholic. He hops on his horse. I don't know why. Because, I guess because he was I, drunk. Was it to chase the guy off the lane? Yeah, he's going to chase him. Yeah. So he's chasing him. And he falls. He, he goes for a jump. And he, the horse makes it, but he doesn't. Foreshadowing. <laughs> and then so next cut, smash cut his tombstone. So the father's out the yeah. game. So Scarlet goes back to the ATL to see her rich scalawag, a.k.a. Rhett Butler. And she, but first, before she can go meet Rhett, she needs to have something to wear because she... <laughs> Is a southern belle. And so she's looking around, looking around. What? Well, we don't have any material, Miss Scarlet. Mammy says. What do they have, Ma? Velvet curtains. Somehow they, these velvet curtains are still intact. Yeah. No, no face blood from the Yankee on them. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. 
why didn't you just take down the curtains then? Like, Melanie should have been like, no, I'm not getting naked. Use the exactly. curtains. There are these huge curtains that could definitely wrap up what this What the night. hell? And it's velvet, so it'll catch more of the liquid. I don't, I don't know. But luckily, they're green curtains because they happen to go just well with her fancy green hat that she fancy still Fancy hat from has. France. She, she didn't pawn that. Things didn't get that bad. So, Mamie, I mean, this Mamie. woman puts together a dress in she does. <laughs> lightning fast time. Unlike the Carol Burnett dress, <laughs> still had the, the curtain rod attached. No, Mamie was like... <laughs> I, I and and what's Mamie's status? Like we don't even know. We never even know. I'm like Mamie, are you free? Or have you? Like- yes, yes. Because in the in the at this point in the picture, it was showing that the freed slaves who stayed with their masters did so much better than the freed slaves who went off on their own. Did you see that? Because the freed slaves who went off on their own had to live in the shanty town and they weren't doing well at all. But the ones who stayed with their masters were still eating high on a hog. Uh, I guess Yankees. (laughs) That's funny because I didn't have that. I did not make that connection. I thought that the shanty town was just fine because guess what? You're free. So, all right, fair enough. Um, so she she goes to, to see Rhett, and Rhett is in Atlanta, but he got himself captured, so he's in the Union Jail. But Rhett being Rhett is he's playing cards with the Union officers and winning money. And so they, they come in, and they're like, Rhett, you have another sister here to see you. And they're like, how many, how many sisters does this guy have? <laughs> So Scarlet goes in and she she's trying to play the Scarlet game and Rhett knows what Scarlet's after. Rhett knows that she needs money and they do their flirtatious song and dance. It's fun. It it is fun to watch. And then, you know, Rhett calls her out and is like, I know you're here for money, and she's like, No, yes, I'm here for money. <laughs> Give it to me. I need it. And Rhett's like, I'm sorry, all my money is tied up in overseas accounts because I'm not an idiot. And before I joined the lost cause, I made sure that all my money was overseas because I didn't want the Yankees to steal it from me. And that Confederate paper ain't no good no more. (laughs) That's a joke. So take it to the outhouse. Scarlet leaves. She's still broke. Now, in the street, she runs into Mr. Kennedy. I don't know what Mr. Kennedy's name is. I forgot. But Frank. He, it's Frank Kennedy. All right. So Frank who Kennedy. Who was the beau of her pathetic-looking sister. One of her plain-ass-looking sisters. That's right. So when Frank comes back from the war, like immediately after, you know, when, when, when people are eating the dead Yankee that they killed, um, Frank asks for... The because Tara because the father died so Tara's the head of the household so Frank goes to Tara and asks for the sister's Not hand Tara, in marriage. Now, come on now, you're confusing the name of the place with Scarlet. All right. He goes to Scarlet. He goes to Scarlet, and he asks Scarlet for the hand of the sister. And Scarlet says, "Look, I got too many mouths to feed. You, you, I can't just have you marry her and stay here." 
You need to go out and make yourself some money so that you can take another mouth out of here. That I another mouth, I you know, take the mouth out. Right. I, I got too many mouths to feed. That's right. So fast forward to where we are in Atlanta. Frank Kennedy sees Scarlett and he's like, hey, Scarlett. Hey, look, look at me. That's, that's my hey. store. Uh-huh, he owns a store, he's people. Got, he's got himself a general store. And Scarlett looks in, and she's she's pretty impressed. But you know what impresses Scarlett the most? He's got this little side hustle that he doesn't even know is a gold mine. He's got lumber. Lumber? When people need to rebuild? It's called the reconstruction. Oh, my God. So... So Scarlett is, she is damn near impressed. And, and Frank is like, oh, um, um, Scarlett, um, could Miss you. Scarlett. Could, oh, Miss Scarlett. Oh, oh Miss Scarlett, could, could you tell me how my, my beloved is doing? And Scarlett is like, oh, Frank, I hate to tell you this, but she has promised herself to another. Lies, Scarlet. Oh, lies. Oh, Scar. I told you, Scarlet is a full blown hustler rapper now. Scarlet does what Scarlet needs to do. Scarlet makes that paper. So, Scarlet. So then Frank is like, oh, he is beside himself. But Scarlet's like, hey, I'm available. Next scene. Just, ha- <laughs> just happens to be I'm available. Just happens to be I'm available. Next scene. Scarlett O'Hara is now Scarlett Kennedy. Yes, she is. She is. So she goes, and, and then there's a scene with uh, Ashley. and Because Scarlett's still in love with Ashley, even though she's on second husband. She thinks she is. She, she never really was. She was only in love with Scarlett all along. <laughs> yes. So, so <laughs> Ashley has decided that he is going to take a banking job in New York. And Scarlett just, that, she, she can't have it. She's like, no, you're supposed to help me with the lumber company. This is a gold mine. I need you to run the books. You're the only one I trust. And then Melanie sees, like, c- comes in and she's like, Scarlett, what's the, what's the matter? And Scarlett goes full waterworks on how mean Ashley is because he's going to leave and won't help her. And then Melanie's like, Ashley, how dare you do this to Scarlett after everything she's done? And so Ashley com- or Melanie convinces Ashley to stay and help Scarlett run the lumber business. Mm-hmm. So lumber business, it takes off. They're making bank. They're making like all this money. Scarlett's making so much money that she is she like she's a she's a businesswoman. She's a full-fledged businesswoman. She's yes, got her she own horse and carriage that she rides herself. And one night She's going home, and everybody's like, Scarlet, don't go through the shanty town. And Scarlet's like, I'm Scarlet. I can go through the shanty town if I want to. Those but lesser individuals aren't going to do nothing to me. I've shot a motherfucker in the face. Well, that'd be true. So, Scarlet rides through the shanty town, and she, she runs into some trouble. It's, she, she gets attacked. And, and it, who saves her? Who saves her? Go ahead, Ma. Big th- Sam. Big Sam, who used to be a slave at terror, yep. saves her and takes her to safety. Takes her to safety. He does get paid. They do pay him. Well, until 
the men, Frank Kennedy, Ashley Wilkes, and Rip Butler, go to a political meeting. Now, Aaron, what kind of political meeting do you think that was? Well, I think that... It, it has three of the same letters. Oh, they were in the KKK! Bingo! That the went over my head! Was the KKK because they were going to um, protect her virtue. But she was attacked. She was attacked by white men. She was yeah. and they and they yeah. said that she that that's where the Yankees were in the shanty town. So the Yankees and I guess the freed slaves were there. She was attacked by white men, by yes. Yankees, and then and saved by and saved by the slaves. The, but they yeah because at the time the KKK's job was um, just to oh, wait I have it written down. Um, it was it was they were. I have to look for it, but you don't need to look. Well, you don't need to look for what the KKK was doing. They were only there to protect uh, the South. They were not a violent people, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, which they so in that in that raid of the shanty town, Frank Kennedy. Well, wait, 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 wait. No, because we're not even there. Because the way that the movie depicts it. The, honestly, the way that the movie depicts it is that Scarlett, they, they see Big George, they pay him. Scarlett says what happened. Um, she gets, because Frank's like, I got to go to a political meeting. Scarlett gets angry because she isn't getting enough attention from Frank after being attacked and whatnot. All the women are together. Frank goes off to the political meeting. There's a knock at the door. Everyone's super tense. And I'm like, why is everybody so tense? And then it's Rhett Butler. Rhett comes in and he's like, yo, you're going into a trap. The union knows where you are. They're le- like, they, the union's going to, like, they're going to attack. You need to tell me where, where the guys went. She's like, Ashley, like, you need to tell me where they went so I can protect them. So they're kind of, like, to me, Ah, God, so so nefarious how people are because they kind of make it out like it. Oh, it's the South, and they were gonna go protect, uh, Scarlet's virtue, virtue by going to attack the North. But then I, yeah, I was right because when I was thinking about it then at night, I was like, no, I'm pretty sure they were going to like uh, attack some black people. Lynch might be a word that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were going to they were going to to <laughs> lynch some black people and. Rhett has to go save them. It, it's funny when you watch the movie how it's presented, and then you're like, wait a second. This is what's yeah. really going on, though. Exactly, hmm. exactly. Because so, I didn't pick it up the first 100 times I saw the movie. <laughs> that was only when, all of a sudden, when you have black children, the black switch went on. <laughs> you were like, oh. Yeah, it oh. does alter your vision. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> so they go and then the union soldiers knock on the door and they're like where's ashley where's ashley we know he's leading a raid where is he and she's like i don't know he's not here and the union's like all right fine we're gonna just stay here very much presenting the union soldiers like they're i mean and come on the i mean the north was complicit in the lost cause narrative as well so my like making them out to be saints or anything but the north is waiting for ashley to show up they show up ashley shows up with her 
and the and the uh, the doctor and they're drunk as skunks. And he's yeah. like, "Where were you?" And they're like, "We like we're we're drinking. It's cool. Just let it go." And they're like, "No, seriously, where were you? We know you were leading a raid." And they're like, "We weren't leading a raid. We were just drinking. Look at this guy. He's drunk. Like they're all drunk. Just like they said they were at Bell's. No, well they didn't at first because Ashley's or Rhett's like, "I'm not gonna tell you where they were. There's women present." And the union's like, no, tell us. And it's like, come on, man. Like, basically, we're saying bros before hoes, yo. You're, like, going (laughs) to blow up my boys here. Like, It's like, come on, dude. Their wives are sitting right here. And the union's like, no, tell us. And he's like, fine. They were at the brothel. I mean, is that what you want to hear? And then the women are like, oh, my God. And the union are like, oh, my God. Sorry, you sorry. You wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Yeah, and they're like, I guess I guess it had to be true. And it was like, and the union dude was like, I'll take your word for it if you tell me. And Rep Brothers like, you have my word. They were at the brothel. And so they all leave, and they're like, fine. And they, like, sit ashes in the chair. And then as soon as everybody leaves, they're all of a sudden, they, like, step two. And they're like, we got to get Ashley upstairs. He got shot. And they're like, oh, Ashley. So they put him upstairs. The doctor's all like, he's all of a sudden stone cold sober. He's like fixing him up, fixing him up, all patched up. Everybody's like, Ashley, Ashley. Melanie's like, Ashley. Scarlett's like, Ashley. And he's like, oh, he's going to be fine and stuff. And then and they're like, thank you, Rhett. You saved them. Such quick thinking. And Rhett's like, hey, Scarlett, uh, don't you want to know where your husband is? <laughs> Scarlet's like, hey, obviously he's like, blah, blah, blah. And Rhett's like, no, nah, he's dead. <laughs> Scarlet's because like, of you, Scarlet. Because of you. Because of you, Scarlet. Scarlet's like, I'm a widow again? <laughs> yes. Score another. Damn. <laughs> so Scarlet's a widow. But I, where, am I, where am I in my notes? But she is not a widow for long. No, she's not. Oh. I think she has on her black again, and, and then Rhett proposes. Oh, wait. But before they propose, here's, here's another little interesting um, sort of the movie. Uh, what is it? Like, like prophesizing what is to come. Ooh, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. So the Kennedy-Wilkes lumber is making bank. And they need to expand. But instead of hiring free blacks to work in the mill. This is important. Yes. They hire an overseer who has convicts who are all white to do everything. But the overseer has one condition. And that is that he oversees. Like, like, you know, it's his law. Whatever he does, he does. He takes care of everything. He takes care of everything. So basically what you have is the start of the industrial prison complex. Exactly. Which has become the new slavery. Watch Ava DuVernay's 13th on Netflix for more information on that. Highly recommend it. Because that's the new slavery right there. And it shows you. So, um, oh, this is funny. Speaking of that, Rhett is... Furious. Wait, is this were, were they married at this point? They got married soon after. You, no, there was no, no, we- no you didn't see a wedding or anything. No. Oh, oh sorry. This is what happens when you have so many notes. You write on I so have many so many pages. too. So 
Ashley is against hiring the overseer because he's like, the overseers are, he's going to mistreat the convicts and he's going to beat them. And he said, and Ashley says, it's not right to force someone to work for you. Ashley of 12 Oaks, Oaks. owner of slaves and Scarlett. At which, <laughs> at which time he said that he would have freed his mm-hmm. slaves after his father died, if the war hadn't done it for him. Right. Which is always what you hear. Everyone yeah. was going I would have to, freed my slaves. I was going to free them. I just needed one more foot rub. Right. Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. So Scarlet is, is balling and the haters are hating. All right. So we got to then. Oh. And this is where I'm reading, I'm reading. He's been wounded. He's dead. She's a widow again. Yeah. All right. Rep proposes right after he dies. Right. Rep proposes. They marry. They go to New Orleans. They're living it up. They return to Atlanta. Scarlett has a baby girl. After her Bonnie Blue Bell. Bonnie Blue Bell. After she has the baby girl, her waist is now 20 inches, Ma. I know. It used to That's be 18. Scandalous. I know. She, Even she, cinching it in. She tells Mamie, uh-uh, I'm not having any more babies. Mm-mm. She tells Rhett, uh-uh, I ain't having more babies. And you know what that means at that time, before birth control. Yep. Like, There's only one for sure birth control. You can't knock on my door. So knocking on my door. So Red is actually a really good dad. He's wonderful, and it's actually Bonnie Blue. It's not Bonnie Blue Bell because Bell brings in the prostitute again. So let's ask that. <laughs> Sorry about that. People. So Red teaches her riding, and foreshadowing. He, she's, um, she straddles the horse like normal people would on riding, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and maybe says, uh no. Mr. Butler, you can't be having that girl straddling that horse in that dress. About that virtue. You know, you, you can't be doing that. Because that's always a, a thing with um with Rhett, is that he he does not want, he is a, knows that he's a scalawag. And he knows that Scarlet is scandalous. and But he really wants his daughter to be blue blood. And to be classy. Yeah. yeah. So he, he he gave up. I mean, he started cowtowing. Cowtowing, I tell you. Where did that word come from? Uh, he was kissing the butts of everybody in high society. But he looked so good doing it. He With did. His top hat saying, well, good day. Good day, ma'am. Good day. Twinkle in his eye. And he agrees that he's going to teach Bonnie to ride side saddle. With side saddle, for us modern folk... That's um when you just sort of sit on the horse as if it was a bench on one side, which, yeah. Imagine, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Imagine sitting on a, on a bench, and that's the horse, and then the horse rides. Like you're, that's just dumb. It, it, and have you ever been on a horse? I mean, it's not a smooth ride. We're not talking, you know, we're not even talking the subway. You know, cha-ching, cha-ching. We're talking gagoon, 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 Yeah. I mean, they are going in all directions. How do you sit on the side of a horse and stay on? Well, foreshadowing. 
So Scarlet still loves Ashley. And Ashley and Scarlet have a scene where they get caught hugging. Which hugging I, people. But the nineteen like if we were gonna modernize it, they basically got caught boning, right? It's well like, I as mean boning as Ashley could do, I guess. Yeah. I, just for just for scandal wise, because I saw it and I was like, well, they're just hugging. But as, as far as sca- like being caught, they everybody treats it as if they got caught. Yes, exactly. That's what exactly. I'm. That's basically what I'm saying. Exactly. So ev- and everybody knows about it, and they're having a party. I, I think it's Ashley's birthday and they're throwing a surprise party, but Ashley already knows about it. And everybody knows that Ashley and Scarlett have had this embrace. And so Scarlett doesn't want to go to the party because she is beyond embarrassed. How can she show her face? But Rhett makes her go because he doesn't want his daughter to be scandalized. He's exactly. like, you have to go to this party. You have to show your face because I don't want this cloud hanging over. And so she gets ready. Rhett knocks on the door. Door opens. Rhett's like, see ya! And he bounces. <laughs> so I was like, damn. And so everyone knows. And Ma- and everybody's like, they, it's right. At, and Scarlet, with the impeccable timing, right as Ashley's about to blow up the candle, she makes her appearance all late and whatnot. And everyone knows. Basically, a record skips. It just stops. The classic stops playing. And Mel- I'm like, what's Melanie going to do? Melanie's a saint. What's she going to do? Melanie's a saint. She just walks right over to Scarlet. Why, Scarlet, dear? Mm-hmm. So good to see you. And she's like, I'm so glad you're here. You can help me as I, what do they call it? Like, what's the highfalutin term? What, like, ac- accept everyone or greet everyone? Yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. so Melanie puts her arm around Scarlet. You know, the twenty inch waist. The twenty, the hog, and she goes <laughs> to the party, and basically everyone has to be like, like everyone has to drop their beef with Scarlet because Melanie instantly squashed the beef. Exactly. They, there's, there is no beef. Like, there's no fire. There's nothing started. So it's like, can't you can't say nothing. So, when Scarlet returns to the party. Scarlet has, since the birth of her daughter, developed a brandy habit. So she goes to tie one on after As the most party. Of us do. Hey. And Rhett has also been tying one on. Might take it. Okay, so they're at this staircase. And they're. Are they in New Orleans? No, they're in Atlanta. Okay, so this staircase is like super gorge. Red carpeting going up this huge staircase that they say Margaret Mitchell actually visited the Jefferson Hotel in Richmond, Virginia, which has a beautiful grand staircase. And they say that that put in her mind the idea of how she described the staircase. And others say that was a total rumor. Anyway, uh, Rick comes down cause he's been, he's been having some, um, alcohol and he picks up scarlet and it's pretty much you're my bitch tonight <laughs> yeah he he carries her upstairs he's like you are not uh you are accepting me tonight and he he carries her up those stairs 
So I'm like, oh, snap. Scarlet just got raped. But then the next the morning, next scene, scene, and she is happy as a clam. She's a happy. Mom, she's get out of my notes. You get out of my notes. On her plantation. <laughs> happy as those that worked on her plantation. <laughs> I have in my notes, happy as a clam. <laughs> no rape shower for her. That's right. That's right. She is so happy. When Rhett comes in and he apologizes. And then Scarlet's like, I mean, Scarlet's, she's just in love. But then Rhett says, I want a divorce. He says, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Bonnie. We're going to London. I'm going to, you know, don't you worry about your life. Don't you worry about Bonnie's life. I'm going to take care of both of you, but I want a divorce. So Rhett and Bonnie go to London. Turns out Bonnie is scared of the dark and misses her mother. So Rhett and Bonnie return to Scarlet, to Atlanta. But Rhett is only dropping off Bonnie. And when he comes back, Scarlet's like, uh, I'm pregnant. And Rhett says, well, I hope you have an accident because I know that's what you want because you're trying to get back down to your 18-inch waist. And then Scarlet, they're at the top of the staircase, and Scarlet goes to slap Rhett, but she uses her wrong hand because I think she uses like her left hand and I think she's right handed because just based on where she's standing on the steps, she goes to throw a punch and the scalawag Rhett Butler has seen many punch a coming in his life and he it's dodges right. that shit and, and Rhett and Rhett and Scarlet goes a tumbling down the tumble, stairs. Tumble, 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 lost baby. Ooh. So the baby's gone. And Rhett feels horrible because he did say right before she threw the punch that she hoped that she had an accident. And she did. But then while Scarlet's in her delirium in the bed, she like she calls for Rhett. And so you're like, oh, Scarlet really does love Rhett. So Scarlet gets better. Of course, she lost the baby. They're both outside on like their rich people deck overlooking their beautiful lawn and Bonnie is in her like beautiful blue dress or whatever side saddle on the horse and she's looking up to her parents and she's like I'm gonna go jump I'm gonna go jump the horse and uh everybody's like maybe you shouldn't you're side saddle (laughs) like what are you doing and Bonnie's like no I'm I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it and Rhett's like man she's somebody says that Bonnie is stubborn like Scarlet's father. <laughs> and Scarlet goes, My father, no! From the previous foreshadowing. Because right then, Bonnie and the horse, they both take off together. But like but the they father, land they together. do not land together. And that was number two where I LOL'd. You laughed I, out loud when Bonnie I, died? I laughed out loud at the way that Bonnie... Because she was dumb. Dumber than dirt to be... How are you going <coughs> to be sitting on a horse? And, like, like you've jumped on a horse before. So you kind of know what to expect about a horse. And you're going to be sides... She was only three or four. Well, or good riddance. Because she fell off that horse and it was funny. Sack of potatoes. I think they did use a sack of potatoes. <laughs> Because the way her leg kicked up, I was like, that's a dummy. I'm I, oh, so disappointed I in my daughter. I at that. 
Yep. So Bonnie breaks her neck and dies. And Rhett loses his mind with grief. He is like beyond grief. And he won't even let them bury Bonnie because Bonnie was scared of the dark. And he's like, I'm not going to let them. I'm not going to let them go, like put her in the dark. And so Mamie goes and gets St. Melanie Mm -hmm. because she's like the only one. She's like, you need to talk to to Rhett. You need to like, he's like crazy with grief and stuff. So Melanie spent, I mean, and I don't, what's wrong with Melanie at this point? Because she's still like weak as heck well she's pregnant again oh you just don't know it yet oh melanie is yeah oh well okay because melanie goes in there and then after a huge long session she comes out mamie's supporting her she's like put on some coffee we're gonna have the funeral tomorrow and then melanie falls out and that was number three where i laughed because The way she fell out. I was just like, just people just keep falling out in this film. My family thinks it's funny when <laughs> anybody falls, especially their mother. I was just like, these people, no, but they, see, you take 15 minutes to fall. These people, <laughs> they just, they just fall. There's no, there's, there's no even <clears throat> trying to like, you at least try to maintain your, <laughs> your uprightness. These people just give up. They're weak. So... <laughs> Melanie falls out, and then basically Melanie. It turns out Melanie's on her deathbed. Everybody, everybody is there to say their last goodbyes. Uh, Scarlet Melanie makes Scarlet promise to take care of Ashley and and the little boy. Rhett's there. Rhett seems to have pulled himself together in record time, because he he looks fine. Like he yeah. he was like a shattered man, and now he's just posted up by the door, like fine. I'm like, did anybody tell Clark Gable like where this scene comes in the movie? Because <laughs> <laughs> he, I'm like, uh, uh, he huh. had a shave and he he, he visited Bell. He's fine. Yeah, he he is like completely fine. So basically, um. Scarlet gets, like, you know, Scarlet is able to, if she wants to be with Ashley, she can totally be with Ashley. And in that moment, she realizes, no, it's not Ashley I want to be with. I actually want to be with Rhett. Where's Rhett? Rhett's left because Rhett saw the embrace of Ashley. And he, like, Rhett's like, ah. So he left. So Scarlet's like, I got, no, I got, I got to go, I got to go find Rhett. So Scarlet runs in, runs into the, the mansion. It's like, Rhett. I love you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Take it, Ma. And Red has had it. You know, the daughter is dead. They have nothing holding them together anymore. He has been humiliated for the last time with this effeminate Ashley. And he says, Frank, and she goes, Red, where will I go? What will I do? And he says, frankly, my dear, I don't give it that. And, and David Oselznick was fined $5,000 for that dam. Wow. Fine nothing for the portrayal of black people in the film, but such are the times. So Scarlett <coughs> is like, oh, what am I, I going to do? 
Where will like, I go? How, what will I do? Yeah, where will I go? How am I going to... I'm going to win him back, but I just can't. I'm so tired right now, but I'm going to win him back. What am I going to do? And then there's a whole montage of how everybody in the film has always told her how much she loves Tara and Tara. It's the land, Katie Scarlet. It's the land. It's the land. So, Scarlet goes back to Tara, goes back to her tree, and she says, well... After all, tomorrow, tomorrow is, is another, another day. day. The end. And the overture at the end is the, whatever you call it, postlude. Right. And you walk out and people are sobbing. Really? Sobbing when Bonnie Blue died <laughs> and Rhett was so shattered. And he didn't want to cry in the movie. And they had to talk him into crying in the movie. Well, he just had... And you didn't even see him cry. All he did was, like, when the door opened, you just saw him in there. And then... So was this in the... In, like, as far as, like, Clark Gable... Because this was 1939. So this was before his wife dies in the plane crash. Yes, but actually, before the movie, he was married to somebody else. But he was totally in love with Carol Lombard. So they were going to give him, I, I read two different places, $50,000 bonus or $500,000 bonus to be in the movie that he could pay off his wife and marry Carol Lombard. Ah. And so that's why he went ahead and did it. So he did it for the money. He did it. He did it for love. No, he did it for love. But he needed money to get to that love. Oh, all right. So that is the epic Gone with the Wind. Do you think that it holds up? Like, how do you think it holds up? Well, this is... Uh, uh, what I have read is cinema cinema cinem Cinematically. Cinematically, it is still like a superstar. I was very, like, watching it, I was surprised. I was like, oh, 1939. It's, it, for watching, because I've, I've seen my fair share of older films, and it is very impressive for 1939. It does kind of have a, like, I, if somebody told me, if I didn't know anything, and you look, I looked at it, I, I could, I could say, like, oh, maybe, like, 1950s, you know? Right. But right. for 1939, it does have a lot of, like, oh, wow, that had to be, like, groundbreaking, pretty groundbreaking. Yeah, it was. But as far as the depiction of, of the slaves, how happy they were, they were happy to go off and dig trenches for the Confederacy yeah. and all of that, that uh, that's really hard to take. But you know what, Mom? Because I didn't, this was my first time watching it. I had never watched the film before because one it was four hours and yeah. two i was just like oh like just kind of the, the the whole baggage with it but when i was in college i took a silent film class and we watched birth of a nation mm -hmm. and so this compared to birth of a nation i like i don't want to downplay how like how, just how, like just a bad taste in your mouth and how, just how like, oh, that's messed up. Oh, that's messed up. Well, that's messed up. But like Birth of a Nation is super messed up. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's fucked up. 
Like, that movie is, it's fucked up. The depiction and everything that it says. So, when I, like, like, going from that and having seen that, I kind of didn't because I was like, I don't know. That's not really something I really feel like do. Like, you know, like who really feels like like dealing with that? Right. It was easier to watch than Birth of a Nation. Right. Because there are because you were able to just like it it is messed up and stuff. And it's just like, oh, that's just. But compared to just like Birth of a Nation, this is. I mean, and a lot of what I read was was comparing it to Birth of a Nation. But here are some things that I found out. Okay, so the Southern views. Um, Reconstruction overall was depicted as a period of legislative interference by Northern Republicans. So, and, and the South felt that it was just large scale corruption. And the North crushed the old planter class with expressive tax, excessive taxation and pocketed the money. And the South felt that the KKK were redeemers in reaction to the South's crisis. And they were aimed at primarily, um, primarily to uh, get back to self-government. Um, and the article I read said the KKK was largely dissolved by 1871, mm. if only. Yeah. And that the northern occupying forces, the freedmen and the collaborators were outright villains. And that is still the perception of many southerners today. Well, that's because that's what was taught. I was taught. I was taught. I remember AP history class. I was taught the Civil War. They said, don't be fooled. They, it wasn't really about slavery. It was really about states' rights. I was taught that. I I remember being taught that of like, oh, really? Because that kind of seems weird. But yeah. that's what I was taught in Virginia, that that's what that was. In Virginia, because you were in the South. Yes. And a lot of people are taught that. But really, what it basically comes down to is that was a wonderful way of life for the 1%. Right. I, and I, I use the 1% because I don't know if it was actually the 1%. But in, in our times ha- now, like the, the rich people, had that was a fantastic life. Oh, my God. You were making so much money and you didn't have right. to do any work. You all you had to do, you were going to barbecues, you were going to parties, you were dressing up in all the fanciness. All of your labor, all of your work was being done by people you didn't even have to pay. Like right. that was I like that's the like that is a life. Like that yeah. is such a great that's, life. That's the make America great again. But that's like a really great life. And then the people who didn't have that that's that's the whole thing that's happening now with the like oh like the taxes and stuff and how people because because everybody always thinks that they're going to become a billionaire so people want to have that if you don't have anything you want to be like like if you're in the south and you don't have a plantation you're like but one day i am one day i'm gonna have a plantation i'm gonna have all these people working for me for free and i'm gonna be making all this money so basically you don't want the jig to be up Right. You never want the jig to be up. 
And then the war comes along and they're like, the jig's up. And they're like, like, oh, no, we want the right. jig to still be, because that was, that was fantastic. And they're still not letting it go. Well, because they never had, there was never a reconciliation thing. Like in South Africa, they had a whole thing and it was a reconciliation where it was like, it was like a festivist. Like America needs to have a festivist. <laughs> We need to have, we need, we, we haven't had it. We should have had it. At the end of the Civil War, there should have been the airing of grievances. Yeah. And there wasn't. Like, South Africa, they had this whole, like, messed up apartheid thing. And, like, I'm not saying that what they have is perfect now, but at least there was, like, this whole, like, where both sides were like, yes, we did that. You know, you go yeah. to Germany, you know, you, you, it's not like his, history isn't erased like Nazis aren't erased from the German past, but they don't have hit like Goebbels. Is they don't it? have statues of <laughs> you know of Hitler and yeah. He's he's not up there. He's not posed. He's not striking a pose. He's not in Munich, like just chilling. So they say like, oh, we we we're gonna rewrite history. No, we all know what happened, and we have history books. Exactly. There was a really good, um, the, the mayor of New Orleans, when the statues were taken down, there's, it, you can read his speech, and it was excellent about that. We're not rewriting history, because this isn't a depiction of, of both sides of history. This is, and these statues were put up well after the Civil War, just to keep the white supremacy going and to intimidate Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, and that's what it is. And the, the frustration, though, comes in. I watch this movie, and I can, I can see why people like it, and I can understand why people appreciate it. And I get, I get the life. I'm like, you know, the antebellum South that has been portrayed and in the history books. American by birth, but Southern by the grace of God. Like, that's funny. <laughs> like, I, I get that. But... When, when these people, when people, they watch the movie, that's what they get. And they get to, they get to see Scarlett O'Hara. And they get to be, see like, oh, and fall in love with Rhett Butler and the costumes and all of that. And I do it too. And then I'm watching that. But then I think there's always a part in every movie like that where it's like, but wait a second, Aaron. That's not how it would be for you. Right. And a lot of people don't have that. Like you don't have like there's a lot of, like when you watch the movie, Ma, you, you didn't you never had to have that like right. <laughs> but that's I not didn't me. have that perspective before. Ann Hornaday in the Washington Post yesterday was writing about um, Gone with the Wind, and she was saying, okay, because there's a, a Memphis theater that has shown it every year, and they're not going to show it anymore. And so her thing is, well you know, get it out of the Metroplexes. It doesn't need to be there, but can it be shown where there are discussions afterward or um, where you then have the other side presented as well? Because it is a cinematic masterpiece, but also the depictions are, are just not okay. You know, Margaret Mitchell was going on what she grew up with in the South in the you know early 1900s and um she was affluent in atlanta and 
her all she knew of black people at that time was Darktown, the African American slum. So you have to have you have to be able to present both sides. Yeah. And people and it's fine with presenting with both sides. The frustration just like people just get angry when it's like, why am I always the one that has to do that has to, to do the, the like, oh okay. You know, that has to like make the exception. That mm-hmm. has to that has to be cool. That has to be like I get that it's a cinematic masterpiece. I under yeah, I understand that. But there but there also needs to be a little lean in on the other side too. And it it gets it just gets frustrating when you see the world and you're like, but there's no leaning in from the other side. Right. Like, what the heck? Right. Which but this, but um but one other thing that I wanted to get to that doesn't really have anything to do with race, it was more of like the story and the movie. I would like to see someone and they probably wouldn't be able to be done. But if you could like using the kind of the technology that they had in the 1939. So not to make it like modern and because it would be like really gritty. But if they would film an alternate version of Gone with the Wind with all the scenes that they cut out from the movie, like that they didn't have. So they would have the weddings. Uh They would have when he gets pneumonia, they would have. Um, when Ashley is, is taken, like him fighting and when he's like, uh, what, like they say he was like taken a, into custody, like captured. Um, when, when Frank Kennedy dies, like the raid, like there's a whole bunch of, of actiony things that happen in the movie off screen. So I always thought that that would be in, an interesting, like, oh, if they, if people, like, oh. These are all of the deleted scenes. Right. Then it would be eight hours long. No, Yeah, but it would just be a separate movie. It would be like Gone with the Wind, the, the alternate take. <laughs> well, it, um, I read some opinions from the African-American community about it. And at the time that this was written, which was probably 20 years ago, um, a lot of the African-American community termed it racist. But um, a lot of people were in favor of uh, Mammy and how she was portrayed. And she got a lot of criticism. But she said that she'd rather work, she'd rather make $700 a week playing a maid than make $7 a week being a maid. Yeah. And it did help um, to show black faces on screen there weren't very many black faces on screen. So they felt that, that it did lead to more visibility of black actors. It was just the, the other thing that made me sad though also was that now that's a role that has been seen so many times. Right. And can you think like, can you think of a, of a famous black actress now who hasn't played a maid? Right. And I'm like, that's, that's sad but yeah at the same time it's like well i'm it's a great role and i get to and it's it's a face and you get to but it's just like mm, it, it would just be nice like yeah. i i thought i just thought of like the movie the help and how oh what's her name oh, oh viola davis you know she plays that role and then but at least, like on TV, she gets to be an attorney. 
Yeah, a and, badass. And just like kick ass. And I'm like, and then that made me smile. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's go. true. Well, it was a sanitized version of the Civil War. Definitely <laughs> leaning toward how great it was and not looking at the many negatives. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, you know, the lost cause. And, you know, the North was complicit in this narrative because they they wanted the Union to get back together. And it was like, just like, you know, you have a, a, a kid that's being a jerk and not behaving and, you know, you just bribe them like, oh, okay, is this what's going to make you happy? Yeah. And the North was kind of behind it too. Right. Because they were like, all right, this is cool. We, we can get behind this because we also have racists here, so... That's good. That's true. That's true. It's just sad that there are some people who still believe that black people were better off with slavery. And, and there are still people who believe that. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean. Hmm. And, and Hattie McDaniel was not allowed to go to the premiere of the movie. The premiere was held in Atlanta. Wow, just you're not even allowed to go. She wasn't, and Clark Gable said he wasn't going to go. Then, if she couldn't go, he wasn't going to go, and she talked him into going. It's like no. Yeah. See, still, uh, still the wisest one in the room. Like no, Clark. Still the wisest one in the room. I appreciate yeah. this, just like I, just like she appreciated that red petticoat. But <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go. Don't worry. I saw. Don't worry. I saw the movie. I know I'm the best thing in it. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am the voice of reason. <laughs> That's cool. All right. There was also there was oh. a documentary making of a legend, but I would have had to pay nine dollars and seventy nine cents on Amazon to watch it, so I did. That's not, that's where our. I, I think that that's good. <laughs> But I think we did pretty well covering it and covering the issues that that surround it. I do too. I hope everybody found it enjoyable. I know that this was a, a rather robust first podcast, but the movie Gone with the Wind is four hours long. So exactly. So yeah, I mean, come on. How long were we? Uh, two hours. Well, that's not bad. You don't even have to see the movie now, and you save yourself two hours, people. Yeah. We watched it for you. Now, you, when you're at your cocktail party, you can be like, well, actually. And you can, you can well, actually, them. <laughs> well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Um, going far, uh, we, this, we're flying by the seat of our pants. But I think going forward, every week, um, we'll tell you the, new, the next movie for the next week in case you want to watch it before the next episode comes out. But, um, like, we're just flying by the seat of our pants, so we don't know the next movie yet. Not yet. Not yet. But when we get it, when we when we hit our stride and get together and and figure out this thing, then and we're roll clicking on all cylinders. That's how hopefully it works. So I hope that you all enjoyed the first episode of Gone with the Bushes. I did. All right. You want to say it? Have it, I think we have an email address: gone with the bushes at gmail .com. Please let us know what you think or any suggestions for movies you'd like us to do next. Yes. All right. Until then. Um, Goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>